0: And welcome to Found and Grounded, the podcast for people who have aspirations to be their own boss, the people starting up in the world of business. Over the next half hour, we'll bring you advice, inspiration and reassurance from a chosen entrepreneur as we once again take you through the story of a business, how it came to be and what learnings and wisdom they'd pass on to others. I'm Andrew Parsonage. You're very welcome. Great to have you back with us in what is episode four of season two. And I'm pleased to say that I'm actually back at the kitchen table of Fanon and Grounded Studios HQ. Sadly, my two co-presenters aren't. They're in their respective homes. Somewhere across the greater Bristol area. So let's turn to them now. And first of all, the man that founders from across the greater Bristol area and beyond turn to in their hour of need, it's business startup guru, Mr. Oli Collard. Hello again, Ollie.
1: Good evening, Andrew. Good to be doing a, an evening session with you all.
0: Yeah, I should explain to listeners that this is actually our first evening recording because for a variety of reasons, mainly involving children self-isolating from school and generally work being completely manic, we find ourselves recording this at nine o'clock on a Tuesday evening. Hopefully that means we're absolutely lucid and totally warmed up for the task in hand. So Ollie, good to hear your voice again. In another part of Bristol then, adding to our our knockout studio team, she is the Queen of Social, Miss Freya Scott. Good evening, Freya.
2: Good evening. What a welcome.
0: Good to have you, Fred. How things okay?
2: Yeah, good. I've started back at university this week, so it's been busy, but yeah, it's good to be getting back to normal.
0: That's right. And again, that we are desperate for the days when we'll three of us we sat around the kitchen table doing this show. But for now, we are still online, still virtual. But hopefully the content will be as good as ever. So this week we are featuring a business from the other side of the world and just reflect founded and its international stature ollie you've got a fascinating fact for us in terms of where our listeners are at this point in time
1: yeah really interesting actually i mean our main listeners are based here in the uk but we're now in 35 countries which has expanded quite rapidly we're in south korea but also in north korea we're in malta we're in saudi arabia we are getting an international reach andrew
0: I'd love to know who's listening to us in North Korea. It's very intriguing. Just to prove though, also, I know we, we do talk about businesses and feature companies from our part of the UK in, in Southwest England, but hopefully the the experiences that you're hearing and the the wisdom and the advice from our guests, businesses and entrepreneurs, is applicable wherever you are in the world, even if you are in Pyongyang at the moment. I hope you're enjoying the program. You're more than welcome and very really pleased that you're you tapped into us. Okay, We'll we'll continue then on our global voyage of discovery. And this particular episode, it's very appropriate that at a time when the, the people of the United States are going to the polls to elect the leader for the next four years, that we have our first ever US based guest on the show. So Ollie, tell us all about this week's guest entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, so I met with Doug, obviously, virtually. So Doug is founder of a company called Main Street. I'm part of this Facebook community group for founders called The Trends, and I kind of reached out on there. And Doug was like, yeah, happy to do an interview. So that's how it came
0: about. And as we do with all our founders, Ollie, starts off the conversation by asking Doug just to talk about what Main Street did and how his business came into being.
3: You know, Our mission is to empower small businesses uh, to create jobs and opportunity. So you can think about Main Street as this financial support, this membership that helps you as a small business owner or startup founder really discover all of these things that you've been leaving out uh, that they can really help you along the way. For example, key of our, our business right now is actually connecting small business owners and startup founders with government credits and incentives that they normally ignore. There's this huge global market of government credits. It's over $300 billion a year globally, but this market is almost entirely tapped by the world's largest companies, the Boeings, the Walmarts, the Amazon, these sophisticated government relations teams that you know, help identify these, help negotiate them. So you can think of Main Street in many ways as kind of like your mini government relations team, your mini finance team uh, will help connect you with these sources of funding that you might not even know existed, So there's a wide variety of different types of credits and incentives that most startups and small businesses have no idea even exist. Awesome. And so
1: you're solving that problem of enabling them to take advantage of those opportunities that they wouldn't normally actually consider entering into.
3: That's right. If you think about it, traditionally, there's only been two ways for a small business to get money. One of them is revenue from your customers, and the other is investment, either from yourself or from others. So we're connecting this third source of financing for a small business that is measured in the hundreds of billions of dollars per year, could grow to trillions of dollars. And we think it's a real opportunity to help your business as well as kind of remake the entire way that small business thinks about financing and, and software tools. So there's a big opportunity here for for businesses and I think for us.
1: Um, and are there many other companies doing similar types of initiatives over in the U.S.?
3: No, I think we're the first, which is a fun place to be. Yeah, so traditionally, if someone wanted to use a some sort of government credit, they might either hire a government relations firm, right, that will try to find them credits. That is very expensive and tends to be more of a mid market thing. Or if you're a small business, you may rely on your accountant to discover some of these credits for you. But the overwhelming number of accountants really don't have a much knowledge in this space. Really, there is no one today that can guide. A small business who has no budget, right? Small business owners, they don't have time, they don't have money, who who can guide them through this process. It really is, I think, an opportunity for us to be a real first to market, first leader in this space.
1: How did you initially go from having the idea, the concept, to actually taking the plunge and starting up?
3: Well, my co-founders and I, we all met at Google. We were all part of the small business team, and we knew for a long time that we wanted to build a company together. So we spent a lot of time discussing at Google over the free lunches they give you and the free coffee, you know, what we actually cared about. And it turns out that we had a a shared interest or more like shared concern over what we viewed as a growing inequality, Uh, inequality of jobs, of opportunity, of wealth that seemed to be arising between wealthy areas in the U.S. like San Francisco and New York and suburban and rural rural communities. We decided we wanted to help create a company that would help inspire the creation of jobs and opportunities. And the best way to do that, we thought, was by supporting small businesses and support innovation. We decided to leave Google to start this company that, you know, whose mission was to empower small businesses, begin to create jobs and opportunity by giving them the resources they need. But originally, our first product vision, our missions remain the same, but our product vision was very different. Originally, what we wanted to do, do is see if we can get some of the smart people, some of the talented people that live in you know these expensive areas like San Francisco, New York, and London to move to other places, whether it's to work for a company or start a business. So we decided to launch a bit of a PR stunt. It got international attention. It was kind of tongue in cheek, but we we launched a: we'll pay you ten thousand dollars to leave the Bay Area. This this went crazy viral, right? Thousands and thousands of applicants, international press attention. But the relevant part and the reason you know that shaped the course of the company forever is within three days of us launching this $10,000 initiative, literally dozens of cities, states, and US counties reached out to us and let us know that they already had an incentive program and wanted to know if we can share it with our community. So you know, we dug deeper and discovered that this is a $300 billion a year market globally, as I mentioned previously, and yet it's almost entirely dominated by the world's largest companies. So this is where we realized, oh, this is what mainstream should be. This is how we're going to support small business. This is how we're going to create innovation It's we can be the government relations team for the startup, or the small business. We can put together a marketplace, kind of a membership that gives you access to a marketplace. The more than 2,000 different credits that exist in the United States, you know, eventually will go global. We can make this marketplace really easy to utilize. And that's really how the, the product and the company evolved. So going from that, the PR
1: campaign, how did that translate into new business, new customers?
3: No, so this, this is where there was a, a very much a hard pivot in the product and recognizing that our, our customer was not the individual person in getting the move, but it was actually the small business. We wanted to build something that would be very easy for a startup or small business to, to utilize. And then the, ver- the very first step of this is we went and started pinging our, our network. You know, we, all, we all knew friends who ran startups, and the very first thing we did is we talked to these startup founders and say, hey, is this something you could use? Could you Would you like to plug this into your platform and save money. The response was very quickly yes. And we recognized that we had a gem of something here. So that's when we started to double and triple down on this. And that early validation from the first customers in our network. Then the scary part was going outside of our network, uh, starting to develop some rudimentary marketing campaigns, rudimentary referral campaigns, and, and grew it from there. If the question is is really around how do we get our first customers, we really talked to our friends, talked to people in our close network, and that was enough validation or I say this is this is really something special here. Let's let's invest a lot more heavily.
1: Awesome. And how do your other co-founders complement yourself?
3: Oh, so I think we the three of us make a great team. Back if you ever watch Star Trek, it's like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. They all balance each other very well. I think that that's us here.
0: Interesting, Oli. I mean, the first thing I want to speak about is when you start a business. You kind of know that there's probably support available, but if you're looking for financing, maybe the obvious thing to do is you approach a bank or a financial institution offering special loans, whatever. But Ollie, in your line of work, do you often come across people who are completely oblivious to the raft of of support that's out there? And do you think it, in terms of the point uh, Doug was making that there's so many different support packages out there that there's money just sitting there not being used? Is that something you, you're seeing in in your work with founders and startups?
1: It is, Andrew. I mean, I've spent the last 10 years working in the startup arena, and there's always new initiatives and programs that are coming out. I think, naturally, founders are rightly confused because there's a lot of support out there, and people don't know what support to access at what stage as well. The government did try and bring some clarity to this. The country basically divided it into 39 areas, which are called local enterprise partnerships. Within each area, there's something called a growth hub. So in the West of England, the region we're in, we have the West of England growth hub. And essentially, the growth hubs are supposed to be the one-stop shop for business support in the local area. So you as a founder should be able to go to the website and navigate across the you know plethora of support that's on offer. But because there's always new initiatives and changes coming to business support, It often gets quite complicated. In answer to the question, yeah, there is a lot of support available, but it's overly complex. There's about 600 schemes nationally. So you can rightly understand why people
0: are confused. Let's just talk about the mission of Main Street then. It's not just about the company. It's almost like he's campaigning on a a particular ticket here because he was saying, you know, we want to support innovation and jobs. I mean, this mission is huge in scope.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a massive, very ambitious mission in terms of the, the growth that the company's already seen. There's obviously proof in the pudding, right? He's scaling quickly, gaining traction, getting new businesses on board. He basically wants Main Street to be like your local government advisor in-house mm. for your business, which is quite an interesting
0: proposition. Oh, yeah, I just want to ask you next about Building your customer base because on this program in previous editions, we've talked about friends, your family, maybe the people who are close to you or that you know in your network aren't necessarily your customers. But actually, Doug sort of blows this out of the water here because when you talked about how to get your first customer, it was actually about talking to friends and colleagues and and building it from there onwards. And actually, sometimes the customer may be on your doorstep or may already be known to you.
1: Yeah, it's quite an interesting approach. I think, obviously, with their initial PR stint that they did they were advertising to individuals about if you want to move out the bay area there's 10,000 pounds to enable you to do so but then quickly realized based on the demand that actually their customers weren't in fact individuals they were actually businesses to take advantage of government support so i think in regards to telling people about your business idea obviously get a bit of validation from your family and friends But ultimately, my advice is it comes back to who is your target customer. If if your friends and family are a potential user of your product or service, then by all means, do go out and speak to them, gain feedback. But if they're not going to be, which I imagine 95% of businesses being started, their friends and family aren't going to be their ideal customer, then to be honest with you, I wouldn't go down that route.
0: I love also uh, Doug's mindset about... The premise behind this business is, you know, his approach to life was, what, you know, what is the easiest way to do less? And that brings me on to the final thing I wanted to explore. And this is about, actually, the, the range, the mix of personalities that make up his team. Doug was very quick to talk to his leadership team as being a mix of characters. And I know he referred to uh, Freya's favourite show, Star Trek, there, comparing his team to the cast of Star Trek, which was which is great. But he makes a serious point, doesn't he? Because, of course, you do need different characters.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think it's bringing different people's ideas together. I mean, I have no idea what he was talking about with Star Trek. That's definitely <laughs> only anything I know about. But yeah, absolutely. The idea behind it, I'm sure, is correct.
0: <laughs> if I if was being really cool, I'd ask you to name a few members from the original cast, but yeah, no that, 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 that's okay. But yeah, I, I think it was, it was just that you you need a range of different types in order for things to click and having that mix makes things interesting by the sounds of it. So I think it's really
1: important for a founding team to have differing skill sets because... If you've got very similar skills, then you're going to be using energy and time working on the same things. Whereas if you've got different skills and abilities, then that will obviously complement one another. So I think it is quite important to have a mix of skills, but also personalities. I think sometimes you can have the big picture person who's coming up with the ideas and is more of a dreamer. Whereas then you can have somebody else who's more kind of detail orientated and it's all about the detail of actually making that happen. And often when that happens, the the detail person will be saying, right, well, how is that actually going to work in practice? And actually reining, reining the ideas back into a more practical day-to-day application. So I think sometimes, yeah, having a range of skill sets, but also personalities is quite important in co-founding teams.
0: I was trying to continue that model into our Founded and Grounded team now and, and what you, me and Freya bring to the the equation. So uh, we'll think on about that one, actually, guys. So I'll leave that with you to, to mull over as we, as we move on to the next part of our interview. And Doug next talks about the challenges that he faced up against with Main Streets. So let's just hear about the things that Doug has had to deal with on his business journey.
3: Oh, gosh. I think the, you know, I know it's cliche now to talk about the effects that COVID have had, has had on a business. You know, gosh. And, and to be fair, we have had it easy compared to what, what millions of small businesses and startups are going through. So I, I don't want to diminish that, but I think our big challenge, we are now a fully distributed team and that's not something that I ever wanted to do. I, I envisioned growing this company. I live in San Jose. I live very close to downtown San Jose, working in one of the tall buildings here and slowly taking over more and more floors and becoming a you know real traditional business. Obviously, COVID and the the world has changed where that is no longer possible, and we're now distributed. We have people all over the United States, and that has been a real blessing in many ways. But the challenge here is hyperscaling a business while being fully distributed is a challenge that very few people have actually ever attempted. I'm not concerned about the growth of our product for the time being. I mean, obviously, I'm concerned. I want to make sure we're supporting a world-class product is growing quickly. I'm more concerned about the team falling apart. I'm, I'm more concerned about like us going so fast because when you're in office together and you're talking, these, these quick little visits, these quick things to build trust are so important. And you don't get any of that in this remote setting. And, and that is the biggest challenge. So the ways we're trying to overcome this, we put a very high premium on communication, on uh, transparency. In fact, our, our key value as a company is transparency. Followed very quickly by something we call the triple A's, which is autonomy, authority, and accountability, right? You know, you don't have to be checked in with your manager all the time. You have that autonomy. You also have the authority to make your decisions, but then we're going to hold you to that. You're going to be accountable. So in many ways, we've had to introduce levels of, again, accountability and transparency that would be expected by a much larger company to combat this. We're also trying to keep whatever level of fun we can to build trust. Everyone does Zoom happy hours, but of course we do that as well. We try to tell jokes at the beginning, you know, end of every daily stand-up, try to get the team engaged. We'll be pushing for quarterly offsites with the team now that the world is opening up a little bit. But just to recap, being a fully distributed team when that was not the team we intended to do is an enormous challenge for us. And ensuring we maintain company culture, company growth during this time is, is our biggest challenge. It's something I think about every day.
1: In terms of the business then, so you started in 2019 with three co-founders. How many people do you currently employ and what's your predicted growth rate for the next year?
3: Right, last October there was 3 of us. This week, so almost exactly a year later, there are 18 of us. Pretty sizable growth. We expect it will be probably 60 to 70 people at the end of 2021. So, you know, this year we went up by 600%. This next year we expect to grow 300-400% uh, and I expect that to keep growing for quite a while. So we'll be hiring someone on average once a week for the next year. It's going to be a kind of a wild ride for us. Good stuff, Doug.
1: So with all of those challenges that you've just told us about, apart from your co-founding team, who do you lean on for support?
3: So again, I, I will stress how important the company is, You know, my, my co-founders and the team. Like This would be 100 times harder if I wasn't able to rely on and trust the team that we built. So that's uh, underscore how important that is. I think easily the most important person in my life, and you know, for the support of this business, is my wife Sarah. Is the most powerful secret weapon a founder can have? Is a supportive partner, right? The celebrations are are sweeter, the lows aren't as low. You know, I'm sure she's completely sick of me talking about the business all the time, but it is nice to be able to talk through things with with someone who actually cares about you quite a bit. Again, I couldn't have done this without my wife. And then, you know, my my kids and I have two of them, nine and 12, you know, really keep me grounded in the real world. It's really easy for startup founders and small business owners to really get mentally sucked into, hey, my entire life is my business and really project that my, my self-worth, my value is my contribution to my, my business. With my kids, my contribution to the world is my children and who I am is their father. And it's not my self-worth is not connected to the success or failure of the company. And being grounded in that, in many ways, it's, you know, sure, yeah, I have obligations, but it's far more freeing to be adventurous and explore in the startup world. Because again, I know if I succeed, I didn't succeed because I'm super smart. I succeeded because I had support. And if I fail, I know that's not my my life. My life is my family. So no surprise
0: then that COVID has had a bearing on Main Street, on Doug's business. And I suppose the irony is that His business seems to be booming; seems to be expanding. That they're they're taking on people at a real rate of knots at the moment. But on the other hand, their team is geographically dispersed. As he describes, a fully distributed team, and the challenge is to maintain that sense of trust, maintain good quality communication, and a a feel of transparency. And I suppose, Fred, you'll be able to identify with this in your current circumstances, being back at university, where you, you together with hundreds if not thousands of other people but you're all in isolation really and so I suppose you're all trying to achieve something but you have to achieve it in a very different sort of way and I suppose um, Doug's challenge will will resonate with you won't it
2: yeah definitely going from last year being in a lecture hall with 200 people to kind of on zoom calls with just a lecturer speaking and you're not seeing anyone's faces it's really strange and to do group work in that way is just, it's so hard so I can definitely kind of appreciate where Doug's coming from
0: and trust as well. We we talked about trust in, I think, in the previous episode or one or two episodes ago. But again, it's a real currency in the world of business, and particularly when you're setting up a team. And I, I guess, again, for think about your own experiences, you know, just, just being able to trust people to, to do the right things and to, to, to get on with it so that you can all achieve the outcome that you want is, it's such an important thing at the moment, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, especially during the group work at university, if you can see the same person every couple of days and check in on each other and support each other that way
0: yes yeah, so in, in anyway you're you're probably relying on each other more than you have done at previous points in your university life haven't you
2: yeah yeah we've got to have each other's backs i think you know messaging each other checking in on each other i think when we're all sat at home individually on our desks it's important to check in and, and make sure we're all doing okay and everything
0: Yeah, so fascinating how in all kinds of different situations and circumstances, we're all having the same challenges as Doug's having at the moment. And Ollie, I think onboarding is going to be an issue for them because they've gone from, what, three to 18 staff in in a year. So from this time last year to now. And then uh, Doug was saying by the end end of next year, they'd be up to between 60 to 80 people. So someone's going to have the work cut out, aren't they?
1: yeah crazy growth i mean i wouldn't like to be the uh the people or the hr manager there i think that's going to be a bit of a nightmare i think that is a real challenge you know when he actually broke it down and said we're looking to recruit one person every mm-hmm. week that's quite a challenge to do that consistently yeah. and making sure that you get the right people in the right roles you could if you're trying to hit those targets of getting someone new in the business every every week then you could sometimes maybe more lean towards quantity and just making sure that you've got enough people on board to fulfil demand. But in the long term, that's going to have negative consequences. So I think there's a real real question mark there around the recruitment process and getting people up to speed, getting them on board with the company culture
0: and making sure that those are the right people. Actually, what I wanted to focus on in this part of our show is something that Doug said, which is absolutely fascinating and which we've never really spoken about in this podcast before, because we sort of take a step back from the world of business and talk about notions of success and failure in a broader sense here. And uh, Doug was talking about his his family, um, his wife and kids, and how he looks to them as as almost like an emotional and and supportive prop, really, to help him keep on course and, and keep the world in perspective. And he said something fascinating around, you know, first and foremost, that he's a father, that, you know, whatever he does in the world of business, he said, you know, judge me by my children. That is ultimately what I am. I am. am, I'm their father. So that is what my life will be or how my life will be judged, Ollie. And I just thought that was such a powerful and interesting comment to make. Completely.
1: And I think sometimes founders can get carried away with thinking that their their entire self-worth is related to their business because it's everything they eat sleep and breathe their business 24 7 but actually taking a step back and realizing what's truly important particularly in you know times during a pandemic I think it's um, really important to realize what what matters to you and obviously family does come first i mean obviously you're a you're a father of two i'm i'm a father of one got another one on the way in a couple of weeks so first and foremost like you being a dad is my number one responsibility and like doug said my wife does a an incredible amount to support me emotionally but also discussing my business discussing challenges um and i'm sure i bore her to death with my business but um Uh, She plays an invaluable part in every
0: success or failure that I have. I'm I'm sure you don't bore her at all, are you? But but no, all joking aside, I think the idea of self-worth is a really interesting one because we talk a lot about mental health on Founded and Grounded. And I think the two are very closely connected that when you're setting out into business for yourself, you're obsessing about, will I be successful? Will this fail? You know, you have sleepless nights thinking about it. And often you challenge or question yourself and you forget actually, do you know what, first and foremost, you know you are a father, you are a parent, you're a partner, you're a good friend, you're a brother, you're a sister, and that's what you physically are in the world. And sometimes it's so easy to forget that when you're in this business bubble that you're in. And, and I think maybe that's sometimes where the problems happen and sometimes founders and people who are running their own businesses need to remember that just to sort of put the world in perspective when they are getting quite stressed about this.
1: Yeah, I think it's so true, Andrew. I think, you know, sometimes you just got to take a a step out and realise when things are getting to you. Maybe your brain's gone into fight or flight mode um, and you just need to take a step out, take stock, do what makes you happy and just take a step back from the business because sometimes it can be all-consuming. And I think that's why it's so important to have a, a supportive family, a supportive friendship group, a supportive network with other founders who can relate to what you're going through.
0: You're listening to Founded and Grounded. Reality, reassurance and inspiration every fortnight for the startup community. Right, well, we've heard from Doug about the challenges, the origin of his business, the aspirations, the sense of well-being, his take on family life, the role of his family in his life and self-worth. We've dealt with some pretty... Big, chunky issues so far. Let's conclude then our conversation with Doug from Main Street. And in this final part of the conversation with him, Doug talks about the longer-term ambitions of his company and, of course, his one piece of advice for fellow
3: entrepreneurs. I think Main Street has the potential to remake much of the ways that we think about small business financing and business tools. Right, As I mentioned previously, in the small business world, there's only been two ways to fund your your company, and that has been through revenue from customers and through investment from yourself or from someone else. So by adding in this third leg uh, of that stool, right, th- this new pipe, hundreds of billions if not trillions of dollars of capital we can inject into the small business world, we think we can do a lot with that. We think we can become – I would love this in five years if the moment you thought about starting a business – and this is true actually in the United States or in the UK or really in many markets around the world five years from now – I want Main Street to be your first stop because not only are you going to know that you're going to be able to get sources of funding that you didn't have access to before, but we're going to give you all the business systems you need for free. We're going to connect you with your bank account. We're going to connect you with your payroll provider. We're going to give you financial tools that, you know, you'd have to cobble together and pay for elsewhere. We're going to give that to you for free because we can provide a lot of value to you th- for a variety of reasons in doing so. So, I'd like this to be up for the small business, the first stop of any founder, whether it's a startup or a small business. I would also like this to be kind of woven deeply into the economic development landscape of entire countries. For example, the state of California, where I live, is trying to incentivize entrepreneurship, is trying to incentivize innovation, and they have billions of dollars to do so, and yet they have no way to reach the startups and small business owners they're trying to reach. Their technology they use is not modern and is not flexible. They use PDFs, they use Excel spreadsheets and file cabinets to track hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars in incentives. So we wanna give these cities, states, counties, entire countries really powerful tools and we're gonna give it to them for free to help manage their incentives and manage their their economic development priorities. So if I had to sum up where I'd like to be in five years, I'd like to be the ubiquitous solution for governments trying to get cash and support out to small businesses, and then I would like to be the first stop for every small business owner, whether you're a startup or, or, or general small business.
1: Moving on to the next part of the podcast is essentially about engaging our listeners. So it's a chance for you just to ask our listeners a question, whether that's about a future project, strategy, consumer behavior, completely up to you.
3: Sure. Well, I, I would love to actually pose a question to those who are you know either startup founders small business owners or or people who are thinking of doing so is what is your most limited resource is it time is it money is it focus right or is it something beyond those three things i think the the constant theme with small business owners is that they don't have time they don't have money and they don't have the attention to focus on things because they're so busy running their business you start a restaurant you're busy cooking and serving you know, uh, customers not worrying about all these other things. If you're starting a startup, you're trying to ship the first version of the product. So I, I'm really interested in knowing because you know this is just for me to understand the my landscape a little bit better. What is the biggest problem you're facing, or think you'll face? Is it time? Is it money? Is it attention, or is it something that I haven't mentioned at all? Awesome,
1: great question there, Doug. Uh, and then moving on to the last part of the show, very hard to do. But if you had to distill one piece of advice that you'd pass on to somebody thinking of a starting their own business what would that be
3: that's a great question i think if i had one piece of advice to give it would be this it's to avoid the illusion of progress and by that i mean you know your time is so limited and you have to work so hard to actually find product market fit to find that first thing that really resonates with your customers you don't want to be spending, you don't want to be wasting your time on things that you know, don't really matter or move the needle all that much. Uh, so, an example I used to use with one of my first companies, we spent so long looking for the right office to work out of, right? And searching for the right chairs and all these things that feel, you know, they feel very tangible. You're there, hey, I'm in the office, of they're chairs, and they are important. But, you know, we spent so much time on these things, we absolutely let other things that were harder and more critical slip by whether it was product development or fundraising a lot of these things that we, you can spend time on are fun and they're interesting but is it is it progress you're actually making progress in your business or is it the illusion of progress is it the illusion you're moving be you really actually all the work you just put into something didn't actually help your business didn't move the needle at all so again avoiding the illusion of progress is the advice i'd give uh, to someone thinking about starting a startup or small business
1: what tips or advice would you give to a founder who may be getting distracted going down the you know a, a rabbit hole of like you say looking at office furniture or or something like that what advice would you give to try and pull themselves back and actually think about right am i actually pushing the needle of my business forwards right now with
3: my time yeah i know i think that's a that's a great question and this is where being honest and open with ourselves is really important A lot of people, when they're starting a business, really don't give themselves deadlines. They don't give themselves goals. Things are done in a very loosey-goosey, unstructured way. I would actually suggest to you, and this is what we did with this business, and it proved to be very successful, is as you're starting to build your business, give yourself timelines, give yourself goals to hit, and then give yourself drop-dead points to where, like, hey, if by the end of the month, I haven't accomplished X, Y, and Z then it's actually time to stop the business, right? Because either it mean, meant I wasn't motivated enough to continue, it meant that the product was developing in a, a different direction or that customers didn't want it. If you are honest with yourself about what are the goals I actually, what are the milestones I need to hit? What are the objectives I need to accomplish? And in what time? And it's very hard sometimes to look at those and go and say, actually, I have not accomplished this and, and pull back. But it's the most important thing you can do. It can ensure that you are always focused on building the business and, and pushing towards those goals, and, you know, they could be pretty abstract. They could be you know, very simple. You know, The goal could be this month, I want to talk to one person about this product or one person about this idea I have. And that one person is way more important than zero people, right? So it doesn't have to be these giant, get a million dollars worth of revenue in a day. But just so long as you're always you know keeping yourself honest about what is the actual work you have to do, you can avoid that, whether it's an ivory tower, academic, problem where you're just thinking about the problem, you're actually focused on what matters and that, that's what will keep you moving the business forward rather than working really hard on something that ends up being an illusion. Doug, such a
1: great answer. And, you know, this show is all about honesty. So thank you very much for your insights there. That That's great. Where can people find out a bit more about Main Street and yourself?
3: You can go to MainStreet.us. You know, that's just MainStreet.us. We're working on getting.com. And you know, you can find me on Twitter at at Doug Ludlow, D-O-U-G-L-U-D-L-O-W. You know, over the next month you'll see me tweeting a lot about the presidential election of the United States. So hate politics don't follow. Yeah, and then you feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or wherever and happy to, to engage. Awesome.
1: Doug, thank you so much for your time.
3: Well, happy to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having
0: me. So Ollie, Doug wants Main Street to be the first stop for founders. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, it's quite an uh, ambitious goal. I mean, I don't really know what the, the business support structure looks like over in the USA. I think it's quite a lofty ambition, but I think, you know, based on the traction that he's got so far and the growth that he's seen, he's clearly tapping into something.
0: Anyway, let's talk about this week's question. Every episode of Found and Grounded, we pose our listeners a question. On this episode, is no different. And Frey, I thought, Doug had a really, really good, simple, but really interesting question this week, which is?
2: Doug's asked, what's your most limited resource? And so we'll be putting this up onto our social media accounts. We'd love to hear what you have to say and your thoughts on it.
0: Doug gave some examples or some options there in terms of limited resources. So you might agree with those. But actually, if there's another one that hasn't been considered, we'd love to hear about that also. We'd just love to hear from you anyway. And uh, we'll remind you of our social channels at the end of the program, so what is your most limited resource? Tell us, tell Doug as well. He's on Twitter, so uh, we'll come back shortly again. Let's just talk about the one piece of advice. Then I love this actually. I thought this is great. I, I, look, all the advice we get is fantastic, but I just love the way Doug phrased this, and it was simply avoid the illusion of progress. I thought that's fantastic, Ollie.
1: Yeah, no, really personal advice there. As a founder, as everyone knows, you, you've got so many hats, so many pieces to the jigsaw you're trying to manage, so many plates that you're spinning. And I think sometimes you can get sidetracked with focusing on things that aren't necessarily important. So I think it's always good to take stock and think, right, what is the number one goal over the next three months? What am I working on? How am I going to measure that? How do I know what success looks like once we've got there? So I think just reining it back sometimes, keeping it simple, having a clear goal and objective
0: and keeping it measurable is really good advice. And this thing about being honest with yourself, which is what Doug said on a few occasions, I mean, it's so simple. Yeah, I think you've
1: always got to be honest and open with yourself. If something isn't working, you set yourself a time limit on it and just say, right, if I haven't achieved X by X date, then we're going to change direction. And I think If you don't do that, then you can keep on going down the wrong avenue. And sometimes that can have obviously very negative consequences. So I think, yeah, be honest and open with yourself. To aid that process, I would always communicate with other people about it rather than just relying to
0: have that conversation with yourself. Really good, solid advice from Doug, and it's what the show is all about, actually. So uh, really, really good stuff there. We are almost done for this episode. But before we go, we always remind you of our plethora of social channels. So sitting patiently in social media corner. And once again, here's Freya with uh, how you can get hold of us.
2: Yeah, so do get in touch with our question this week or just to keep up to date. So on Instagram and Twitter, it's Founded Grounded. And on Facebook, it's Founded and Grounded.
0: Excellent. I think we're done. Our thanks once again to Doug Ludlow from Main Street. You've been listening to Founder and Grounded with myself, Andrew Parsonage, featuring the vocal talents of Mr. Ollie Collard and Miss Frere. Scott. Ollie and Frere, looking forward to your company again for our next episode. Cheers, yeah, Andrew. Good evening. And thank you, dear listener, also wherever you are in the world, whether you're in North Korea or Malta or even South Bristol. It's great to have you on board. We hope you enjoy the show. Please do keep in touch, and we'll be back again very soon with another entrepreneur and tales of wisdom and business daring do. For now though, thank you much indeed. Take care, stay safe and we'll speak soon. Cheerio.